Welcome to the Business as Mission podcast, dedicated to those who long to see God glorified in business and the nations reached for Christ. Your host is Mike Bayer, longtime BAM leader and founder of Third Path Initiative, an online education resource for starting and growing BAM businesses around the world. Well, welcome to another episode of the Business as Mission podcast. I am Mike Bayer, your host, and Really excited to have as our guest this uh, episode, uh, a man who's become a good friend of mine over the last few years. Uh, I met him in Philadelphia at the BAM conference there, heard his heart for God and just all the things that he brings to the table. And uh, now I get a chance to work with him on a regular basis. So I'm really thankful for that. This is this is my brother, Dick Widener. Dick, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. And I have to tell our listeners, I wish you could see Dick because his voice and his, and his face match perfectly. Dick has got this deep baritone or bass voice. He's got this, this wonderful countenance of, of grace and joy. And this just every time I'm on the phone with Dick or in a, in a, a Zoom call with Dick, I'm, I'm blessed just by his manner and his way. So, Dick, we're really excited. Dick, um, rather than me try to tell your story, this is, this is BAM's story, so this is your story. Tell us a little bit about sort of your early years of faith and business together. And then after that, we'll, we'll come back and we'll get into the question of, you know, how did God call you further into the kingdom business or business's mission strategy that's out there today? So let, we'll let you tell your story. I'm a typical, I guess, excuse the term, American success story of first generation. Parents came over from Germany born and raised in a little German community in a place called Camden, New Jersey. First kid to, uh, in my entire extended family to go to college, was able to scholarship my way through college, et cetera, and entered the business world as a banker, working specifically in the trust department of a bank, handling trusts and faiths, people's investments, et cetera. And over a period of probably 12 years, ended up going from an assistant trust officer to a senior vice president of the bank running the trust department. So I've always been dealing with people and their money my whole life. Grew up in a German Lutheran church, which was interesting because I spoke a little German, but going to church where they spoke German didn't do a whole lot for me. <laughs> and they didn't preach the gospel in any language, German or English, but was invited by a lovely young lady from my junior high school to a uh, Halloween party that was being put on by her local church. Uh, by the way, that young lady is now my wife. My first. I, I was hoping you date. would clarify that when you talk about yes. this lovely young lady. My first and only date. We've been married now 59 years. Ah, that's awesome. But uh, in any case, uh, went. It was held at a uh, out of the camp in the woods here in New Jersey. And I heard the gospel for the first time in front of a roaring fireplace when I was 15 years old. And shortly thereafter, some Sunday night in January the following year, Jack Wurtson came and preached at our local church. And I accepted the Lord as my Savior at the age of 16. Hmm. So uh, from that point forward, uh, you know, I went in full tilt. Uh, you know, I just, I heard it, I believed it. And, uh, I've cherished it my whole life. So so basically, uh, I'm one of those guys that gets involved. And I, any organization I end up getting involved in usually end up somehow running it. I don't know. It's just the nature of me, I guess. 
But by the time I was 27, I was an elder in the church. By the time I was in my early 30s, I was chairman of the elders board, that kind of stuff. So I've been an elder in the church for, well, until I retired out of it a couple of years ago for 47 years. So I've had a lot of exposure to you know, the church and uh, through business contacts, et cetera, a lot of exposure in the parachurch organizations on boards of seminars and Bible conferences, you name it. And basically what really touched me with missions was our church was very missionally minded. We were an independent Bible church, part of the EFCA. And uh, as I look back on it, we were pretty legalistic. <laughs> when I started teaching Sunday school, I had to sign a one and a half page document of all the things I wouldn't do as a Sunday school teacher. So going back to those days, but in any case, the, uh, my Children grew up in the church and uh, got to know missionaries in the church. I ended up being chairman of the missions board and very much involved in missions. And then my youngest daughter was called to the mission field, spent 13 years as a missionary in uh, India. My youngest son uh, went with crew and was a missionary in China for six years until they arrested him and threw him out of the country. And got involved with my daughter in her mission project uh, by creating a U.S. entity to, to support and to give some direction, direction to the work over there in India. She married an Indian national over there, pastor. And basically, we were supporting the ministry there, which was training and supporting rural pastors in the state of Gujarat in India. So... Basically, it was all donor-supported, and as a business guy, I just realized that for the organization to grow and for it to accomplish its task, donor support just <laughs> was difficult to, to sustain and to accomplish. So working with the people over there, we decided what we needed to do was start some kind of entity that would produce income. So we started a what's called an English medium school over there, uh, which grew to 500 students and then was easily able to support the ministry itself and many of the local pastors. So we were just fundraising in the U.S. to provide additional support for some of the pastors. So honestly, I had no idea I was doing BAM, no idea it's business, just sitting back, looking at the situations and saying, as a business person, you know, here's a reasonable solution to it, right? You know, it, here's a way to make it self-sustaining. It, it's interesting to hear you say that because most of us um, got into BAM not knowing what we were getting to either. We, you know, it was a door opened, a need was there. We met the need. We <clears throat> did something financial. We we created businesses because it just seemed like the thing to do at the time, not knowing that it was a you know there was a movement of God afoot. I wonder if you wouldn't mind to kind of roll it back just a little bit. You shared something with me. Oh gosh, it's been maybe a year and a half ago about how you felt as a layman business guy with a heart for missions, but you, and this weren't your exact words, but feeling like you, you know, you were, you couldn't get as involved as you wanted. You were a little bit arm's length or held at arm's length. Can you unpack that? That meant a lot to me when you shared it. Yes. Uh, Cause I think many people, uh, and our target audience is is really 
not people who are doing BAM. It's people who are looking at it, thinking about it. You know, we want them to know that you can do this too, right? If Mike can do it, you can do it. If Dick can do it, you can do it. But I think those feelings are pretty common. Can you yeah. elucidate I, that? I coined a term and it's within the Christian community and outside and, and it's institutional fossilization. All right. You know, the only way we've never done it that way, fossilization. Institutional fossilization. Fossilization. Okay. Right? We become so institutionalized and aren't don't even consider thinking outside the box doing another way. And basically that's what I've run into. In fact, uh, I'll make this very quick, but I served on the board of a major U.S. Uh, East Coast here seminary. I was asked to serve on the board there, and I accepted with one goal, all right? And that goal was to hopefully change it so those people, pastors, individuals coming out of that seminary, would have just a minimum of business understanding of business education, hmm. right? Because as you know, as a pastor, you're running a business. Sure. You're a pastor of a church, but it's a business. Uh, you've got budgets to meet. And as chairing the church board for being an elder for many, many years, the ignorance of the pastors that came through, and I'm on my 13th pastor right now, but the ignorance of the pastors that came through in that area were phenomenal. Right? So for two and a half years, I tried to push that agenda on the board, which had probably one third, one half of the board was local pastors. And it finally ended up that they just felt that they could not trade a one semester of Old Testament minor prophets for a course or two on basic business principles. So I finally, I realized that this, you know, I was not going to make a change to this fossilized organization. So I just resigned and moved on. And I found that in so many other places, even in the local church. You know, it's the, we've never done it this way before. Here's, you know, here's, here's our bylaws. Here's our guidelines. We never step out of them. And that just frustrates the heck out of me. <laughs> it did in business. Uh, when I left banking to start my own financial planning business back in 1981, I took my date book with me and, and ascertained that I was spending somewhere like 32 hours a month attending committee meetings at the bank. The only thing that was accomplished was we were avoiding individual responsibility for making decisions. That was the sole function of the committees. Right? And that's, that's four days a month. Yes. That, that's staggering. It is. So you went out on your own right. and you've had, I know you've had a very successful practice, which your son is now involved in. Right. Um, but in the middle of this, and how we met was through your formation of, I guess, the Kingdom Capital Fund, the Legacy Ventures Network. Right. Uh, can you can you explain a little bit of what that is and and really how you began to think that way? You've heard me say before, you know, I've, I've always believed that there were gaps in the global businesses mission movement. One of those gaps has been uh, real business uh, venture capital to finance businesses mission enterprises which is what you've stepped into. How did that come about, Dick, from, the, from, from, yeah. your, from your, you know, your investment, investment uh, company, your planning company, 
how did that, where'd you get it? I guess is uh, probably have to add a little more background to that. One of the things that I did is when I was a banker in the trust department was, you know, people die who own businesses, right? And if they name a bank as executor, well, as soon as the bank qualifies as executor, the bank is the titular owner of that business as the executor and has to keep running it successfully until it either gets transferred to designated heirs or the bank sells it, right? So the bank has to have somebody who can, you know, step into that role of a guy coming in to kind of monitor and help supervise a business through that period of time. I was that designated guy. So in the 15 years that I was doing that, I, I got involved in running everything from thoroughbred racetracks through hotels through, <laughs> I guess my favorite was the oyster shucking firm in Piles Grove, New Jersey, uh, you name it, and I got involved in it. So I had a tremendous amount of experience in coming from the outside in to look at businesses and just get involved in operating them. Right? And then leaving banking and starting my own business, I also got involved in starting a bunch of other businesses. Uh, in some cases, just helping people starting businesses in other cases where I was principal. And during this period of time, began realizing that um, what was actually required on starting businesses from scratch and the basic fundamental requirement was having capital to do it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, I learned by doing it. Right? In some cases, putting my own money in, in other cases, you know, helping people who were starting, et cetera. And realizing in some cases through failure that the lack of capital could take you under real quick. So basically with that realization and my exposure to the mission world through, you know, running a mission organization and having been in charge of church missions groups. And also I was in, I'm chairman of a foundation that one of my clients sent up who's Objective of the foundation is to spread to the gospel to the least reached in the world. Mm. So we've been involved for 11 years in that foundation and providing grants and program-related investments to do that. And some of those PRIs, the program-related investments, was funding startup businesses in third world countries. So basically with all that, it, I guess it coalesced in a June morning in 2017, and I cannot accept, explain this except for the Holy Spirit's movement. I came in sitting at the same desk where I am right now with my yellow pad, which I cannot do without, and just sat down and just started writing, you know, and I produced a document that I called a call to re-examine how the Christian community approaches businesses' missions. Mm-hmm. And it's a four-page document. If you don't mind, I'll just read the last paragraph, right? There's a synergy in men and women from the missions, business, and financial side, thinking, planning, and working together on BAM that will never be accomplished by working independently. We really do need to talk to each other. We need to pray with each other, plan with each other, respect each other's gifts and talents, and cooperate to create a sustainable worldwide Band movement for God's glory. It has to start somewhere. 
Therefore, I'm asking if there's, there are representatives from the business and investment community, along with those from various mission organizations in the local church, who'll be interested in attending an initial meeting to explore how we can do VAN in greater, more effective ways to please contact me. I send it out to about 25, what I would refer to as spheres of influence. You know, people we knew who have spheres right. of influence and in all four of those categories. And out of that has grown what's legacy ventures, kingdom capital fund, et cetera. We never did have that initial meeting collectively, but individuals responded this. I have no idea how many people ended up with this document, but you know, I, would, I was contacted with people I didn't even know existed as a result of this document being passed on to other people. So with my good friend Stan Bachman and I, and I think we'll be talking to Stan sometime soon. Stan's in retirement. I'm, I'm still working with my son running the business, but I have all the time I need to do band. We decided that uh, we, and I decided basically for myself that the way I could best serve is promote collaboration among all the parties involved. The outside guy coming in. I came in look, looking at the BAM movement in 2014 at the BAM conference in Minneapolis. And there's an outsider looking in. Of course, I was intrigued and fascinated by it. But I, I can only analogize it to the time some friends and I on a vacation trip to the Outer Banks found a 500-piece cross or jigsaw puzzle in a plastic bag without a box. <laughs> we decided we could do this jigsaw puzzle. Well, 2 a.m. we had to leave. Uh, three of us were still working on it and finally decided it was almost impossible to put together a jigsaw puzzle when you'd have no idea what the picture is. And I kind of felt like that's kind of like where I was in the band, band movement. There were all these moving parts, but I couldn't see how they fit together. And I guess God put it on my heart to just try and get involved in collaborating with you and other groups and organizations, coming with no other agenda other than how can we work together, take the gifts and talents God's given each and every one of us to the end of getting the gospel out to the least reached through business. And so that's been my motivation. It's an interesting analogy. I hadn't heard that analogy before, but having been involved in business mission now for 30 years, I think it's a very appropriate one. Lots of moving pieces. The Lord is at work, but it's sometimes you sit back and you look at it and you, you just don't get everything that's going on. But then he somehow, he's the, you know, the, the master puzzle maker. He begins to fit pieces together uh, in ways that some of us can see, obviously for you. We'll pause here for a moment, but Mike and Dick will be right back. The Business as Mission podcast would like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Anchor. Anchor is the free platform for creating and publishing podcasts. Check them out at anchor.fm. They are part of the Spotify family. So, Dick, what exactly is Legacy Ventures Network and the Kingdom Capital Fund? How does it work? And I don't mean all the legal stuff, but you know, what, what are you investing in and how can others invest. I know I'm invested in it. It's a, it's a, it's yes. an open fund to invest in. How can people better understand that? Well, one of the things we realized 
the core group, uh, basically there are six guys at, at our local church of 200 people who have bought into this whole thing. Right? That's the Lord spoken to our heart and knit us together as brothers, etc. And we're not the youngest group that's ever come down the pike, right? <laughs> so especially Stan and I have made the commitment between ourselves and the Lord that since we're on and we truly realize that we're on the last lap of the time he's given us here, that we wanted to leave a legacy behind us that uh, would be there for others to follow as far as commitment to, to him, uh, commitment to, you know, for us guys who are past 65, that, you know, if we retire from active business, there's still a lot we can do. And so we also said to ourselves, listen, we can't be out preaching to other people what they should do, start missional businesses, without having done it ourselves. We got to do it ourselves mm-hmm. and work out the kinks and before we're out there promoting something. Because somebody you know, comes up and says, well, you know, it's like, you know, you, you teach it, but you can't do it. Right. So that's why we started the Legacy Ventures Network. It was created to do actual BAM business. Right? And hopefully we, we thought it was smart enough that in doing so that we would start first by creating acquiring a, a company in the u.s be, yeah trying to do something from scratch in a, the third world country with no background no experience it's a little challenging so we we bought a company a franchise in the u.s called Transworld business advisors which is a business brokerage firm down in maryland and that's Finally, now, after going on three years, is on its feet, doing well, and, and beginning to, to really prosper. And then we had uh, some individuals that had come to us through all of our contacts, one of them being a young couple in our local church who wanted to do BAM in a third world country. And we had a lot of, among the, those of us involved, had a lot of experience. I've been to India six times. My daughter was there 13 years. So brand you know, mission organization in India. And so we decided that, and, and these couples felt they were called to India. One of them had experience of going there, training pastors for 14 years. So basically we created an Indian corporation over in India, all right? that has a tremendously broad franchise as to the kind of businesses that it can operate. And basically, as of right now, we have basically a a type cafe going over there. We have an agricultural business going. We have a husbandry business going over there. And we're in the process now, right now, of hopefully starting a franchising chain of medical clinics, like urgent care kind of things, which really okay. don't exist over there, at least in the rural areas where, you know, getting any kind of medical care is iffy at best. And uh, we've got an investor right now. In fact, I was working on it earlier this morning uh, who's going to put up the money to, to make that happen. So there's some, so that's our next venture in India. So, so once we got this legacy ventures thing going, we then realized that, you know, <laughs> We were running out of local capital and we had to you know, expand. And I, since the 2014 conference in which I first met Don Simmons and he and I sat at lunch. I don't know if you know Don Simmons, but 
he has a company as Light Minds and financial planner, investment advisory firm. And we're saying to each other, what the BAM movement needs is a mutual fund. It needs a pool of assets that will be available to invest in startup businesses. Does not, did not exist. To this day, only exists as far as I know through the human capital. There are funds out there that obviously invest in businesses, but I'm talking about startup businesses in third world countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little more risk in these businesses, right? So since I have the credentials of being a registered investment advisor, certified financial planner, registered with FINRA, the SEC, all that other baloney that you need, I stepped out in faith and uh, started the Legacy Ventures Kingdom Capital Fund, which is a private equity fund, the purpose of which is to accumulate investment dollars to be invested in mostly, not exclusively, but primarily in startup businesses in third world countries, especially where regular missionaries can't go. To get the gospel in third world countries through businesses by providing capital for that to happen. So basically, you know, that exists now. It's up. It's operating. We now have investments in, I think it's nine different businesses spread around the world and frankly are being inundated with requests for, you know, new business enterprises. And basically, again, by God's grace, and you're, you're involved in this process, uh, God put us together. One of the major problems the fund faces was vetting, yeah. you know, vetting businesses, you know. Again, it's collaboration. We, uh, we the fund, you know, everybody's doing this voluntarily. I mean, I'm not going to get paid. Everybody else is getting paid for any of this. You know, the time and energy to vet it. So we needed some organization and organizations that we could depend upon that would bring us viable businesses that met those criteria. And that's why we got together with you and the guys at IBEC and Foreign Tribe Venture. So you, you know, the on-ramp to it. So when you guys, Tribe Venture, bring something to us, we know it's vetted. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically, been a, that's what been a beautiful. We do, our side is making the hard decision of, you know, if we got three choices and we've got fifty thousand dollars available, you know, how is that best spread and used to? for viability's sake. Yeah, so it's basically good. what we, we need is people who are willing to invest in the fund. It's an investment. It's not a donation. Right. It's investment just it's like investing point, in a mutual fund. Point. One of the things I love about it, Dick, is that what you just said, I want to key in on that just for a second for our listeners, because, you know, so much of business's mission history has been donor-based, which is fine. I'm not against, you know, donations to help people start businesses, but, in my way of thinking, it's not totally real business if it's donor-based, right? Yes. I mean, maybe donor capital to get started, that's fine, and it needs to become independent. But but I love the fact that what you guys have put together is a real capital fund. It's a real business. Uh, it's a mutual fund. It's real investment in real businesses, not just giving. And right. uh, I think we've needed that in the BAM movement forever. Yeah. And we've had some of these discussions before. One of the other things that I've guess been involved with and proactive in is because I've spent my whole life in the investment world, 
and a significant portion of my client base are Christians, is just I'm appalled at the lack of understanding of my Christian clients as far as true stewardship. Honestly, I cannot, in my hundreds of meetings with Christian clients, remember one client who said to me, knowing I'm a Christian advisor, right? How does my Christian stewardship come into play in my investments? Not one. It's almost like it's I an entirely different category of thinking. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm going to give a shameless plug for you here. If, if you want to get some of Dick's thoughts on Christian stewardship and investing, he's done a series of articles that we've posted on the Third Path Initiative website that are excellent. Dick is a, a very talented writer. He's very passionate in, in this topic of Christian stewardship and, and, and investing. And so if you want to know more, I would encourage you to go there. I didn't mean to cut you off, Dick, but I want to make no. sure people know they can, they can access your wisdom, you know, in other places than just this podcast. Yeah. I recently had an occasion which, which crushed me. I mean, uh, I had to work to control my faith. I, I was dealing with an individual in ministry, right. Who had inherited a substantial sum of money. Right. And he knew, you know, I'm, I'm involved in this kind of stuff. So the topic came up as to, you know, would you be interested in investing some of this, you know, your funds in Kingdom Capital Fund? This individual's response was, if I find out I don't need it, I'll make it available. <laughs> and my heart just sank. Yeah. If I find out I don't need it, I'll make it available. Yeah. If, it, if it's left over, I'll, I'll yes. give it to God. Leftovers, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, Dick, I know you run into that a lot, that type of thing. I know we all do. And and yet I, I, I keep looking at the business's mission movement globally, some of the players, some of the best men and women I've gotten to know in my lifetime uh, with passions like yours, convictions like yours. And it, that's where I get my encouragement. When I, when I look at that other stuff, I have to go back and look at what God's doing. All right, we're going to bring this in for landing here, but let me ask you if you would, as I mentioned earlier, guys, this is, it's a mutual fund. It's a fully registered SEC type, you know, investment fund, just like any other. It's not some shoebox in the back of, of Dick's closet. This is a real live business capital investment firm with very, very clear kingdom purposes. We work in partnership with Dick through TriVenture. Uh, we do the education piece. Ibeck Ventures does the coaching and vetting and then brings him the, the vetted and qualified uh, candidates. But Dick, if, if, if somebody wants to invest, and I, and I know that, that you, there's only so many things you could say before you have to send them something in writing, but how, oh, yes. can they, how can they get more information about the possibility of investing in uh, the Kingdom Capital Fund? Well, there's two ways. You can go to our web, website, LegacyVenturesKingdomCapitalFund.com. Or if you want to personalize it, you can just contact me at R-H-Widener, W-E-I-D-N-E-R, at WidenerAssociates, spelled out, dot com. But realizing that because it is SEC registered, be prepared for a blizzard of paperwork. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not, he's yes, not kidding. The concept is simple. But yeah. Yeah, but the, pa the paperwork is a small forest. 
Yes. And, and guys, the contact information will be in the show notes if you didn't catch it as we were going along. So you can you can look in the episode details and they'll be there for you to be able to get in touch with Dick. So, Dick, thank you for being with us. Want to come oh, back again and want to come back again with you and talk more about about stewardship. And we want to talk about one of your endeavors, a really amazing BAM opportunity. Full business. It's not going to be totally BAM. But it's uh, called oh, Super Green Solutions. Super Green Solutions, yeah. It's a franchise opportunity yes. that that Dick and others have acquired, and so we'll come back and get another episode and, I, and talk about those specifics because there's so many things that that you're bringing to the table. I want people to hear about it. So, again, guys, thank you to Dick. Dick, appreciate you being here. Thank you. And uh, my pleasure. We, yeah, mine for sure. My honor. And uh, we'll we'll get more with Dick. But look for this. Uh, look for the show notes. Check out those websites, check out the email if you're interested in investing or just want to learn more about it. And uh, if you want to learn more about his, his thoughts on stewardship, biblical stewardship and investment, go to thirdpathinitiative.com and look under our articles where I think just about everything he's, he's published has been, we put out for him as well uh, as a part of his network. So I invite you to look there and, and see what that's all about. All right, well, we'll see you on the next episode. And uh, until then, may God bless and open your heart to generosity in living and uh, investing. And uh, as, as Dick said, let's, let's break up the fossils, okay? Let's go do fresh new things for God. Amen. Thank you, brother. You too. Thanks for listening to the Business as Mission podcast. For more information, go to thirdpathinitiative.com or tryventure.com. Please share this podcast and give us a review wherever you listen.